Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow, what a year and a half it's been. <laughs> Let's face it, after coronavirus and wearing a mask and not wearing a mask and all that that came with that, the world is finally reopening and many of us were left, well, let's say with a pain in our back. <laughs> well, we know someone who makes getting aligned a snap. Well, it's more like a snap and a crack. Snapcrack offers hassle-free chiropractic adjustments for just $29 a visit. No hidden fees and no appointment needed. Just walk in and reap the benefits of their three-step process of the crack, the drop, and the click. Trust us, good things come in threes. Their clinics even offer monthly memberships for $49 that include adjustments and Snap Boost, which is a vitamin therapy injection. Baja salid nuevo de paquete. <laughs> so visit snapcrack.com today to find the location nearest you and just stop by. You'll be in and out before you know it. And after all, when you feel better, you do better. Hey people, this is DJ. And this is Ish. And, and this, this is season four of Better Let, Let Me Tell You. you. It's like I'm talking to a bearded Paulina Rubio. Oh my God, la chica dorada. <laughs> I'm not that dorado. Knowing you probably can get through TSA a lot quicker. There's a time that I couldn't get through TSA, but that's another story for another day. Hi, how is everybody? What is it? Episode 166? 166. Happy Better Friday. 166. Happy Better Friday, everybody. How's everybody doing? I think everybody's doing great. But I think, you know, the, the most important thing to say is, you know, you and I are now speaking and recording this from two different states. We are. And neither of us are in Florida. No, and, and they could not be two more disparate places. You are in Manhattan at literally the New Yorker Hotel. Yes, live from New York. Yes, and I am in a cabin in the mountains. <laughs> I know, right? 
I mean, the, the only, the only more, like, opposite, like, it would have been if you would have been a cabin in, like, Alaska. <laughs> yes, and then we would have had Sarah Palin as a special guest. Oh, my God. Well, you can see Russia up in your house. Exactly. I don't want to see Russia right but, now. But, but, but this is a commitment to our listeners that it doesn't matter where we are. We will bring you an episode. Damn it. You get an episode a week until we go on hiatus. But, you know, until yeah. then, you get an episode a week. If Somehow we'll get an episode a week. So I, I, I hope everybody had a good week. This past week was a little exhausting, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. With everything of you know that happening in Cuba, you know, obviously our last episode one sixty five was all Cuba <laughs> related, um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, I kind of wanted to to kind of touch base in terms of um, since I am live from New York. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? How is it post COVID? So okay, so what I want to know is, and this is a legit question: Who the hell said New York was dead? Like. Well, I mean, you've—they've been open for a couple months now that you went. So maybe, maybe they meant like you know March. Okay. Yes, we all know that New York got particularly hit hard by COVID. That's we all know that. But that was in March of last year, right? But the rhetoric has been, you know, after that, you know, maybe starting from the fall and on, that oh. Everybody left New York, and nobody's in oh, New York, and yeah, 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 New yeah. York okay. is closed, and everything in New York, you know, New York is dying. I'm like, okay, if New York is dying, then it has man, resurrected. It has resurrected, or it looks damn good because, with a few minor exceptions, like I don't see any difference to, and I mean, I did not live in New York like you did, but I've always said this about New York. I I haven't lived, like, obviously, you lived in New York for two, two and a half years, three years, whatever. But I've, I've been visiting New York since I was a kid, because I had a lot of family here. So I've, I've always, I grew up coming to New York. I don't even you know, know. You know you know New York. New Yorker. It is incredible how I know addresses in New York better than I do in Miami. Same. Same. Because, even before I moved there. Okay, but let me tell you why. Because New York, you know what comes after five? Six? And you know, it comes after six, seven, not seventh terrace, seventh place, seventh, seventh avenue, seventh court, seventh, seventh court, lane. Seventh <laughs> that is why. <laughs> so, so what a novel fucking why. concept. <laughs> that's why, like, when you tell me, like, oh, an address in New York, I'm like, okay, in my mind, I see it. I'm like, oh, okay, that this is more or less where it's at. And again, I've never actually lived here. I mean, I've come here a lot, but I freely, I feel comfortable enough with New York that, like, I, I kind of won't get lost, you know? Right, right. Maybe, like, very specific niche things, I, I don't know, but I kind of won't get lost, and I kind of know the MTA, like, I know the red line goes all the way to downtown, and, and, and it could take you all the way to the Bronx. Like, I know, like, kind of the basics of it, um, but don't give me an address in Miami because in Miami, when people tell me, when people tell me, no, you're three for less than the quarantine, and I'm like, that can be in like another country, and I would not know. Especially <laughs> if it's in Hialeah. <laughs> Hialeah, Coral Gables. Well, you yeah, know, all the, the, the names, though, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, if you live down south, it's like I live in 223rd Avenue, and I'm like, oh my God, is that in the Gulf of Mexico? <laughs> It's actually the city of Atlantis. It just, it 
came back. You know, you know where that used to happen to me a lot too. In Chicago, in Chicago, I remember, you know, when I, when I lived in the Midwest, I used to go to Chicago like all the time. So like downtown Chicago, like I remember I used to, people used to ask me for like, Oh, how do I get here? And how do I get there? Like people would stop me and like, you know, ask me for directions and I would be able to give them, don't ask me to give directions in Miami (laughs) because it's not like, you know, it comes up to five, six, you know, it comes up to six, seven. I I love how in Miami, you know, again, Kendall Drive, 88th, 88th, um, right? No, street. Street, street. I love how it's 88th Street, right? Okay. Kendall, Kendall Drive, sorry, Kendall Drive, Lao Cheng Kiyocho, ends at US 1. Right. Right? But in South Miami, somewhere by, I don't know, Church of the Epiphany, 88 starts again. And I'm like, but why? But wait a minute. I have have a better one for you. Coral Way. Uh Uh-huh. Coral Way, in in Coral Gables, it's like 18th and 21st and 24th. And by the time it gets to, like, by past um, the youth fair, I think it becomes like 32nd. Uh Uh-huh. Why? That's like in Hialeah. In Hialeah. My office is on 16th Avenue. Right mm-hmm. when 16th Avenue, the same street, you are on the same street, you cross Okeechobee, it turns into Milan Berry Boulevard, which is that 60 something. And I'm like, okay, so 16th Avenue turns into 60 something street, like for no reason, like just because, just because, <laughs> just because. that's why, like, here again, here I am in a city I don't live in, and I know the address is better than this. <laughs> that I do with it. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, I'm sure I'm not the only person that believes this. This is true. But, what speaking, has, has problem. but what, speaking of addresses, you this week were actually at possibly one of the most famous addresses in the United States. I was. 1600 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. Um, I sure was. You, you know, you I went to go visit Joe. You went to go visit Joe. You didn't go see Kamala. <laughs> Well, no, because her house is next door. It's the Blair house. I heard that, I heard that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were up in D.C. and you were actually there with the, with the protests. Um, I don't. It's funny because I, 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 I feel weird calling them on our end, calling them protests. More, I feel more comfortable calling it a demonstration because I feel like we're not re- like yes. we're not protesting, quote unquote, right? Yes. Like, so. You know, I, I, I went back and forth on should I go, should I not go, should I go, should I not go. But, you know, as I think I posted on our Instagram, you know, if you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And, you, you know, well, yes and no. Um, it actually was a major deviation. You're in New York right now, so you were definitely closer to D.C. than if you had been in Miami. Yes, but when I went to D.C., I was not in New York, and again, it was like a major deal. I was going to be in a completely different place if oh, the okay, protests okay, would have okay, happened. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk, and I felt that, um, you know, this is something that I needed to do. I'm not new to protesting. I, I have a resume now of protesting at this point for demonstrations. But, you know, I mean, I, I think that this is, it, it was something that was very, very personal to, to us. And we're constantly talking about it. So, you know, you have to show up and you have to do what you have to do, you know. Um, what was it like, though? Um, what was the vibe? So here's the thing. So actually, funny thing. So when I was there, um, as many of our listeners probably saw on our Instagram live, 
um, I went live. I went live for about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And when I went live, everybody was asking me on the live questions. Like, everybody was asking me, like, what are they saying? Who's screaming? Oh, the guy what, screaming about, like, child molestation? Because what, what happened was, you know, anytime you go to, like, a DC, there's always people protesting about something, right? Um, at the National Mall, there's always people, you know, usually it's small, you know, maybe a dozen people, but um, there's always somebody protesting about something. And um, there was this guy, you know, you could tell that he had had, he had his issues. Um, there's this guy with this, like, huge, you know, one of those, what is it, gyrophones or whatever? No, a megaphone. A megaphone? What Wait, a what's, gy- a gyrophone? what's a gyrophone? <laughs> a gyrophone? A gyrophone, think, anyone? I, I don't think that's a thing. Did I just make that word up? I think you just created a speaker with a Greek sandwich. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> so he had this megaphone that was like louder. I mean, he was louder than the Cubans. I mean, can That's, you just imagine? That is a goal. So he completely just spoke over everybody there. So, and he was talking about, like, he, he was crazy. So he was talking about, like, you know, Jesus is coming and you're, you know, your sins and wash away your sins and who's talking about pedophilia. So the, the the funny thing is that when you saw the Instagram live, you know, the images were of the people protesting of Cuba, but the audio was of this man because I wasn't thinking video of him, but you could hear him. So everybody was like, pero que eso, que esta pasando? So look, as as far as the mood goes, I have to be honest. I oh, how do I pose this? Um, I was a little disappointed because um, I think I was there to I was there to bring awareness to what is going on in Cuba and for people, people to amplify the voices of the Cuban people in Cuba and I think that you can do that and you can do that vigorously all right without being political in terms of your political affiliation to the US because I I've made on this show very clear my political affiliations and libertarian yes we've established that you know and this isn't about Joe Biden. This isn't about Donald Trump. This isn't about the Republicans and the Democrats and liberals and conservatives. This is about Cuba and the Cuban people. And I just, when I went, at least when I was there, there were a lot of people with like Trump signs and, and just talking smack about Joe Biden. And it wasn't the type there were there were seeing profanities about Joe Biden, and and I think that that is the wrong message because I think that you can hold Joe Biden accountable and say, President Biden, what are you doing about Cuba? The Cuban people are 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 need our help. What are you doing? Why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you amplifying your voices? I think you can be critical of him. Right, um, of all our presidents and hold them accountable without it turning into what I saw there. And then, you know, again, 
there were moments that I thought I was at a mega rally in Versailles. And, you know, I think, I think that that is a deviation and a distraction to what the, to why everybody was there and the real reason why we should be there. Um, it's about Cuba and the Cuban people in Cuba, right. not about the president, not about whoever it is. And, and I just think that that was a huge distraction. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, sadly, it doesn't surprise me that uh, having seen, you know, the, the, the demonstrations at Versailles, you know, it's funny you mentioned that it, it does kind of devolve into, you know, this is my political affiliation here. And this is who I think here would have done something. And it's like, you know, it's not about that. And the fact of the matter is I, I've been seeing a lot of things. And even on our on our Instagram, I mean, obviously we've been posting a lot about what's going on. And I just feel like a lot of people are, well, number one, there's trolls and they're just posting to, you know, to hear themselves speak. So good on you. Yay. You didn't get enough love as a child. But um there's also people who are just posting like you know we need to go in and why haven't we gone in and why haven't we done xyz and it's like that's not how things work you know mm -hmm. you, you 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 can't just kind of like show up at somebody's doorstep and be like we own this now you know or, mm -hmm. or like and i think people either i don't know if it's like they don't get it or they don't want to get it i know you and i talk a lot about willful ignorance um I know this is a very heated situation, obviously a very heated topic, emotional topic, but I just wish sometimes people would like take a beat and and, and think before they speak, which... Well, because, look, I think that, you know, again, we... People who are exiled can talk about the trauma. Absolutely. Of living in Cuba and can talk about the experience, the firsthand experience. But this fight right now is not about them. It's about the people there. Yeah. Right? The ones who are fighting, the ones who are being jailed, the ones who are being beat up, are the people, the Cubans in Cuba. So the voices that need to be amplified is theirs, not ours. Now, our duty is to support them and also to tell people about the horrors of Cuba and corroborate what they are saying right. because as we found out this week and this is you know we could shift the conversation now into this you know i knew and you probably also knew how badly informed people generally were about cuba yeah. um but i think that what we saw this week was a gross um not only misunderstanding but a very entitled um, view of things oh because God, yes, can I can I just because, can I, like yeah, for one second because literally almost as if to illustrate that point, there's somebody who you know we posted this week the post that was like you know free Cuba Venezuela free Britney fuck communism fuck Picadillo with raisins, and you know people have been commenting and one girl was like you know agree with all of this except for fuck communism right so I was like let me go and let me let me look at her profile and her profile is literally like the entire yeah. thing she's like a high-end like hostess at like a bar and she's promoting vip experiences and i'm like right you clearly love communism so much that you are all about you know getting people to go shell out more money for a vip experience yeah because they don't know what they're talking about because right now right now there's this whole especially about 
among younger people. This whole anti-capitalist, you know, uh, anti-U.S. imperialism rhetoric. And while I've always said this, while there's certainly a conversation to be had about capitalism and, you know, the, the pros and cons about cap capitalism, and while there's certainly a conversation to be had about, you know, the history of imperialism, you know, arguments of imperialism when it comes down to the United States policy historically, um, it's very easy to talk about communism. <laughs> it's very easy to talk about communism when you know your city, <laughs> when you have all these uh, luxuries that capitalism has given you. Right. When you're, when you're like promoting a VIP experience. <laughs> including a VIP experience. You know, it's very easy to talk about, you know, these very serious um, and impactful <laughs> things. When you are, you know, sitting, as I said in last week, and I said in my video, you know, in Starbucks uh, with your overpriced coffee on your MacBook Pro and on your iPhone, um, you know, and I think that, you know, one of the things that I have seen that it's kind of like just so annoying are so many people that were like. Well, but you know, in the U.S., there's still racism, and you know, and black men get killed by cops, and you know, injustices of the legal system, and all that. And I'm like, okay, all those things may be true, but just because those things are true here in the U.S. and we don't like them, doesn't mean that we can't talk about other places. That have right, the it reality, it's okay right? to be. It's okay when it happens somewhere else. <laughs> So it's like, okay, well, we're not going to care that this is happening here because we have our own shit to deal with here. No, it's like, it's like two things can be true. Like, you know, we can have our problems here, our very serious problems here that we still need to work on as a society and as a country, but still acknowledge things that are going on somewhere else. Like, we're not the gatekeepers of, you know, of this argument. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, I, it's just it was so disappointing because I feel that to a large extent um, we're on our own. Yeah, but I think that ties back to what you've been saying, you know, which is we we have to take back the narrative, and we have to make sure that the narrative is correct. And I think that that's what yeah. you know what, what we're definitely trying to do. What people like America Valdez are doing, you know, Jenny Lorenzo, you know, um, see the, Vatt, you the know. work that the work that um, America Valdez is doing, and there's also there's um, there's somebody I, I don't know him, but I do follow him. His name is Marty Pulido, and he's 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 one of the people that well, he was a co-founder of uh, Guanas Palante, which, by the way, hats off to Guanas Palante. They're doing an incredible job fundraising and yes, um, getting money to people directly in the island with the de teléfonos. Um, and Marley is a, a very prominent and very vocal, like, um, activist and organizer, um, you know, regarding, you know, you know, to amplify uh, Afro, Afro Latino voices, Afro Cuban voices in specific. And, um, you know, I feel that it's, it, especially with, with, you know, people that are Afro Cuban, um, I feel that they are the ones who are rightfully so rising up mm -hmm. and saying, hey, this is not what you think it is because the, 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 the problem is that from a PR perspective, um, Cuba 
which is a very intelligent thing that they did, they kind of told the world that, oh, you know, we equalized the races yeah. here. And, you know, there's, there's there's no racism in Cuba. We and like, you know, we, we advanced the black Cuban, you know, to government and to this and to that because under the communism, you know, in communism, you know, the black man, you know, it was equal. Exactly. So a lot of people were sold on these goods, if you will, from a PR perspective, that, oh, this is like a paradise, you know, like, it, I, it, I remember I still, I sent you a screenshot of some, you know, blonde, Karen, blonder than me, no, Karen, um, you know, saying like, oh, Cuba, you know, they have great health care, there's no discrimination, you know, uh, black people have civil rights, you know, the way they should, and like, they're gay friendly, and I'm like, pero, de que for the record, in Cuba, black it's true though, black people do have the same rights as everyone else, which is to say that nobody has any rights. Right. So, you know, so, no, so, so it's important that, you know, voices like that, specifically, you know, Afro-Cuban voices rise up like they have and been like, hey, listen, you know, especially when it comes down to things like the statement that Black Lives Matter gave, um, that they rise up and say, hey, hey, this is not what people think it is. Um, you know, what would the Black Lives Matter, the statement that was tone deaf? Tone deaf is putting it nicely. You know, I have to tell you that... I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised. Okay, I wasn't surprised, and, and, and this is a very important distinction to make. Yes. Um, and, and especially, you know, I've made it and I've spoken about it in this, in this past week, you know, to people close to me. Um, as you know, well, you know, but probably our listeners know because we spoke about this you know on our podcast last year i was i was and am blm all day i marched like crazy last year for blm i will do it this one i will do it again um because <laughs> i believe black lives matter but i believe in the movement in the movement and it's very clear and it's very important to distinguish the movement from the organization yep. right the movement of black lives matter and what it represents and what it's striving for is something that well not i mean i'm behind but i think that most people could probably get behind um but the organization is a completely different thing and you know I, the person who made this statement or, you know, one of the founders, she's a self-proclaimed Marxist. Yep. And you know what? You can be whatever you want to be. Like The beauty of this country. The beauty of this country. If you want to be a Marxist, that's 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 you. You do you, boo. You know? Um, but um, don't make these statements, right, that you you really don't know what you're talking about. You really don't know because the Cuba that you know they described in there doesn't exist, right? And this isn't about the United States getting involved. This is about a narrative that doesn't exist. So it's not like the United. It's not like oh, you're saying you don't want the U.S. to intervene in this paradise right. of an island that has everything figured out. Also, um, it's not your narrative to have. It's not your story. It isn't. It's not your story. It isn't. And I think that's very important because this is an organization that has 
very loudly and rightfully so said, you don't get to tell our stories. You have to listen to us when we say our stories and we recount our experiences. And it has now essentially said, no, no, but we don't mean that for others. Exactly. So that's, that's what I made my video that went viral about. It's like, you have to listen to people. And when, when, when in this particular case, the people of Cuba, the people marching in Cuba and risking their very lives um, for for protesting are telling you, they're not telling you stop the embargo, they're not telling you, you know, this and that, they're telling you they want their freedom, que quieren libertad. And that if you're not listening, if you're not getting that from those protests, then you're not listening. Because this isn't about the embargo. This isn't about the U.S. policy. This isn't about anything else but the voice of the Cuban people marching. So that's why I'm, like, really happy that, like, so many, like, Afro-Cuban voices have risen up to this, um, rightfully so. Because also, you know, something that takes, um, is intermingled in all this, which is... Which is, is on our, uh, when we were interviewed with Jack Rico on Highly Relevant, yeah. Right, which is... That started off as like an artistic movement, um, but most of the artists involved were uh, were black. Yes. You know, um, so it, it's it's um, this kind of has pivoted off of that. But you know, there there you know the the Afro Cubans' role in this is enormous. It's absolutely enormous and significant and critical and relevant. So I'm glad that the voices that need to amplify their voices have spoken to kind of set the record straight, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, obviously nobody knows. Um, but I just feel that especially after this week is that we're alone in this. So when I mean we, I mean Cubans of every Shade color, you know, uh, status. We're 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 alone in this because very very few people came to our defense. Yeah, very few. Well, sad but true. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, all we all we can do is continue to amplify, you know, the voices of the people on the island, and you know, mm-hmm. it kind of segues to this week's guest. Uh, which is Andy Senor Jr. Now, for those of you who don't know, he is an actor, a Broadway actor, also a director, and he recently had his documentary Revolution Rent, as in the musical Rent, with which DJ loves that their their theme song. What is that? What is it that you you say? Seasons of Love is called. What, how many minutes? Six thousand trillion four thousand twenty four minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. You're always off, but I always love you for it. Uh, so they actually, it was um, a mounting of a production of Rent in Cuba. And, you know, as a Cuban-American local Miami boy, he's an FIU alum. Um, you know, he was, Yay, asked, FIU. Yeah, he was asked to go and, you know, if he'd like to be the one to to go and, and actually direct it. And, you know, as you'll hear in, in our interview, one of the reasons he actually said he wanted to do it is because he's like, I know that if I said no, they were just going to go find somebody else and they were probably going to find somebody who wasn't Cuban or Cuban American and would not be able to tell the narrative of the people on the Island. 
you know, properly. So, you know, he, he went and now there's a documentary on HBO Max. So, you know, after this word from our sponsors, is our interview with Andy Senor Jr. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey listeners, this is DJ from Pero Let Me Tell You, and I'm here with Mark and Vince from Snapcrack, and this is Pero Snapcrack Health. Today we're going to talk about the signs when you should get an adjustment. So Mark, Vince, tell us, when should people get an adjustment? Anytime they feel stressed, mu tight, tight muscles, uh, if you're feeling tired, after a workout, before a workout, just about any time. And in, in terms of like when people, because we, we know that uh, chiropractic care can be great for general wellness. So how about for things like depression and mood? Talk to us a little bit about that, about the benefits of chiropractic care. Well, even though chiropractic is not a treatment specifically for depression, you know, people do end up feeling better after an adjustment. Uh, and the reason why it's kind of like there's like a chemical endorphin that gets released after you get a, get an adjustment. Right. And endorphins yeah. make people happy and yeah. happy people don't kill their husbands. Uh. Get that <laughs> reference. <laughs> um. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of, generally of chiropractic care from posture to function. What are some of the things that people that it, it sustain general uh, chiropractic care, how, how are they going to be feeling better in terms of their day by day? People feel better because they function better. So, you know, you'd have to understand a little bit about, about the spine. It does, due to like sedentary, which means, hey, we're sitting down a lot in front of a computer all day long. You know, your, your joints, you have these little tiny joints called facet capsules. And there's two of them in each and every vertebrae, okay? And you have, uh, you know, 24, 25 vertebrae in your body, depending on the person. You know, people are born with 24, 25. And these little capsules end up getting stiff. And sometimes uh, they get a little bit hardened. So when... Uh, You go see a chiropractor, a chiropractor ends up putting motion into, that, into those vertebrae. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know something? You know what's funny? Is that I forgot the question. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of went, went off on a tangent. Actually, no, no. But, but, but you mentioned computers. Talk to us a little bit because I'm sure that as a chiropractor, you probably see this a lot. Now that all of us or most of us are kind of have our necks looking at our phones all day or our tablet. How does that affect, you know, your, your back, your spinal cord, your posture, um, how it could affect people looking at their phones? Oh, absolutely. And then it goes back to uh, now that you reminded me, thank you very much. Each, each, so these facet joint capsules, the two little joints that you have behind your, your vertebrae, they end up, they end up getting, uh, I take some scar tissue buildup after a while. They get tensile microscopically. Okay. And uh, they're called collagen fibrils. So collagen kind of 
fills in these little uh, facet capsules and they get a little tensile. So it's important uh, to actually put motion in there while you're working out. It's actually good. Stretching is great for those capsules. And of course, chiropractic adjustments uh, really get in there because they're moving each of these vertebrae, uh, the segments uh, individually. So it makes them more malleable, pliable, which makes them more healthy. If that makes any sense. I got into like, a little anatomy there. Yeah. And well, <laughs> thank you. And yeah. <laughs> now you know you mentioned, I believe, working out. How you know people that either are athletes or you know work out, lift weights. How uh, is chiropractic care? How does it benefit people that, especially, put a, a lot of stress on their body in in the long run? So we got to go back to these facet joint capsules. So usually, athletes over the years. Uh, they create microtrauma. Football players, hockey players, um, pretty much in every single sport. Joggers, runners, you name it. Basketball players. So they're you know they're pounding, uh, jumping and down, up and down, and putting pounding their spine, uh, affecting these little facet joint capsules uh, that we were talking about. When you when when they have uh, years of microtrauma, they tend to have micro tears. The body ends up filling those micro tears with collagen. That collagen inside those microfibrils, uh, I mean, they are those my, inside the facet capsules get tense out. They get tough. There. It's really scar tissue. So it's a, it becomes a, you get microscopic scar tissues. So it gets very stiff, very painful. Then they start eroding. It creates a, a, a arthritis. Mm-hmm. That's what occurs through, throughout, the, uh, throughout the years of, of, you know, being an athlete, right? So when you go to a chiropractor, the chiropractor ends up breaking up these scar tissues individually uh, through these uh, through the chiropractic adjustments and the different techniques, and it makes the facet capsules healthier by stretching them, making them more uh, pliable, and breaking down the scar tissue so they behave more like the facet joint capsule. I hope that made you know. Yes, a lot of- <laughs> and to our listeners, yeah. you're all going to be tested now on that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Markman, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to just informing our listeners and giving some general knowledges as to the benefits of chiropractic care. And for our listeners, find more information on SnapCrack.com because when you feel better, you do better. All right, welcome back, mi gente. So. With us today, we have actor, director, I, probably my favorite, Miami boy done good, Andy Senor Jr. Thank you for joining us, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Pero let me tell you. I love it. And, and of course, you say it properly because you're from Miami. You know, it's, it's, it, it takes it takes one to know one, as they say, right? Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, pero let me tell you. Oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, obviously, we're you know we're, we're chatting with you. You just put out the documentary "Revolution Rent," which uh, documents the mounting of the musical Rent in Cuba. And I think it was what the the first ever uh, U.S. Cuba Broadway production. Is that correct? That is correct. They had, they uh, they used to do musicals oh, like over sixty years ago, um, and uh, since the revolution, that stopped. And, um, yeah, this was the first time they put up a musical again. Yeah, so I had the immense pleasure of seeing it um, here in Miami at the Night Owl Theater, which I got to say, as, as, a, as a big fan of Rent, it gave me very cool – it reminded me of, like, the Maureen's protest 
where everybody was yeah. like kind of outside and and you're enjoying mm-hmm. it it was very it just seemed right um that that it would be outdoors and in that type of a setting so how did you get involved with with this production obviously you know you were angel in several productions of rent uh dating back to i i don't want to i don't want to put a date on us but dating back to <laughs> Dating back, yeah, to 1997. So, yeah, so, so, so that we're clear, um, I was in the production Rent, and then what we're talking about is the movie, the documentary Revolution Rent, yes. which is about mounting, because it, it could get a little confusing. But, yes, I was in Rent on Broadway for many, 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 many years. And then um, I think your question is, how did I get involved in mounting the show? Correct. In- Right. How did I get involved with mounting the show in Cuba? Documentaries about is um, basically Bob Niederlander from the from Niederlander Worldwide had been working with the Ministry of Culture uh, in Havana. Um, they were doing concerts where they were where they were bringing different Broadway stars to Cuba, mm-hmm. and it was like an exchange that they had, and it was going incredibly well. That they decided, you know, we should put up a musical. In, in, in choosing what the musical was going to be, they needed to find a musical that was going to be able to hang with Cuban audiences. Um, you know, uh, theater in Cuba is incredibly uh, political, expressed um, in every capacity. Uh, you know, one of the best theater companies there is uh, El Público. And, you know, they're like, it's, you know, very, very, very gay uh, and very... Yeah, just an in, in, incredibly poignant theater that they do there. So uh, they decided to choose Rent to do uh, to be the first musical. Interesting. So as a Cuban-American, and, and this obviously is documented in your documentary, which um, I, I will say it made me very sad at the end of the documentary to remember the passing of your mother because she was yeah. the breakout star of the documentary, by the way, yeah. as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Absolutely. She steals the film. Oh, she does. She like, you're kind of in it, but she's in it. She, that is her <laughs> film. Um, yes. You know, how, how did you just feel, even when they initially approached you about it? You know, for, forget after you decided, you know, to sit and think with it. Like, as a Cuban American growing up in Miami, you obviously have been hearing the rhetoric since birth, like, like myself, you know? What was your first thought? Like, did you did you almost get a knee jerk reaction to initially just say, "Thanks, but no thanks. I, I I can't do it." Or did you at that point even seriously think, "I'm gonna think about it"? You know, the the story goes back to a year before when I was on Facebook and I saw there was a photo of Beyonce and Jay Z with a bunch of dancers in Cuba, and there was a lot of criticism that Beyonce was getting. Um, and they were just like, she, she shouldn't be there, or she should, or blah, 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 blah. They were just going back and forth about Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. And then when, and then I, I, I posted a comment saying, but wait a second. No, I posted the photo on my Facebook. I said, people keep talking about Beyonce, but look at those artists' faces. Mm-hmm. Their faces were like, you can tell, it's like Beyonce had walked into and watched their rehearsal. And what I, as an artist, I know what that's like. When you find, when one of your idols uh, people you most admire like, are present and you're performing, that, that, that kind of validation is, is, is incredible. It's, like, it's, be, it's, it's, it's beyond ins- inspiration. So that had stayed with me uh, for a long time. So when they called me and they asked me to put up the show in Cuba, I immediately thought about those artists. 
I know what, I know the impact that this show has had on my life. I know what it does not only for people who are in it, but also the impact that it has for audiences who watch it. I've done it all over the world. There was no way that I was not going to go and do it in Cuba. And I think that my, that's what my mom was really up against was like, she knew I was going to go. She knew I was going to go. Okay. So she knows. Question. It wasn't for me. Like it, it was, it just really wasn't a question. It was more like, Oh God, what am I going to have to deal with? What are the repercussions going to be? Um, and I, you know, I had to like look into it further, but I, I, my heart was there. I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this. Listen, my, my mom was an incredibly conservative um, Catholic woman. And telling her that I was gay, telling my family that I was gay, being gay in my community, is also frowned and frowned upon and looked down on and quote unquote dishonors uh, in 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 some capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to, you know, I had to look inside my soul and be like, all right, but what is going to honor me? What is the truth I'm going to live by? So I had already done that with my sexuality. Um, so doing it in, in regards to going to Cuba was way easier. No, I mean, I, I completely hear what you're saying. You know, after coming out, what's a little communism, right? Um, you know, exactly. <laughs> after going through that. Um, again, I saw, the, I saw the, the, the film and it's available right now on HBO Max. Um, one of the things that I, 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 you mentioned it, it's like, well, finding the musical that resonates with, with that Cuban community, right? Because you can't necessarily show up there with Hello, Dolly, right? Like Hello, Dolly, great show. Will it have any type of impact? Will they understand any, you know, it doesn't make sense just culturally. With Rent, though, even I found myself questioning, you know, how much of it do you, did they absorb? And there's a scene where um, they're singing America and you actually ask the actors, okay, instead of, you know, using the, the, the word America, the name America in the song, switch it out for Cuba. And you can see almost instantly in their, in their eyes they get the meaning of the song. They, they, now, it, now it resonates. Now it draws back to them. Do you feel that there were just some inherent challenges going into it aside from, from that? Like, you know, the, one of the things I took away from it and, and I kind of thought is like, you know, just on the bare basis, the bare bones of it is the whole bohemian lifestyle that, that Rent is about, right? It's about embracing that. To some, that bohemian lifestyle of like, I'm going to shun conveniences and accommodate you know and all the modern whatevers of life is the way a lot of people do already live in cuba you know and so my initial thought was like are they gonna understand like like they're purposely you know trying to live this lifestyle that i am actually trying to get out of um did, did you find that did, did that become a thing or did it even cross your mind in terms of like hey guys we need to realize this may not go over the same way as yeah well i mean you know it it is one of those conundrums about rent it's like guys get a job right it's, <laughs> it's, it's really like get, go, like get a job and, and not being so childish about you know right. um in 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 a, in a certain way right. um but i think that I think that what the what the Cuban actors, let's say, were able to like sink their teeth in was doing doing fighting for what it is that you believe in, mm -hmm. um, despite your circumstances, okay. um, and staying true despite what your circumstances are, whether it be 
uh, health or whether it be art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 like these the characters in Rent have deep convictions. True. And uh, and I think that I know for like the artists that are there. Let's say, let's just say, you know, even for them doing the show, right? They were convicted in doing the show, but a lot of times they didn't even have the food, uh, like like a, a, like a solid breakfast to eat, right. uh, to be able to show up in rehearsal, um, and they were fighting like their the the like everything against them to even just show up in rehearsal and to do the show. So it was that that so they they that's that's what they were able to to interpret and get inside of um not specifically let's say the way that you know capitalist american audience would look at it mm-hmm. um but just from a different you know they're gonna the, the cuban will listen to it and interpret it in a in a, in a, in, in a way that makes sense for them okay uh, that makes total sense absolutely and kind of I guess to that part, you know, these are people who they have this conviction. They want to be in this show. They really, you know, they feel like they have something to give. But I will tell you, I, I, I kind of shared your your little like your your, your frustration, your your Bob Fosse director moment um, that you had in in the film, because at that moment, you know, I realized that yes, they want to be on stage, they want to do this, but these are not theater kids in the traditional sense that you and I understand it. You know, these kids didn't go to to New World School of the Arts because one day, you know, they were going to be on Broadway, you know, and it's not a reality for for them, right? I I would assume that you go and you study this and you, you know, you go to Juilliard and then you get an agent and then you audition. Like, it's, that must have been a huge challenge too. And I mean, well, we see it in the film. Um, You know, you Mm -hmm. just have that moment. Like I said, it's like your Bob Fosse moment. Um, it, it, it really so drove a point home for me, really, because I just, again, growing up here, I just always assume, yeah, if you want to be an actor, you you know as a kid, like, well, this is what you got to do. And You know, the reason I love that, that scene being in there is because one can say, oh, well, you know, you're how could you expect a Broadway caliber from Cuban actors that have never done a musical before and don't even, you know, blah, 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 blah. You can say all these things, but it had, if I don't hold them to that standard... Right. Like, why would I not hold them to that standard? Right. Right? Right. Why would I not hold them? And then also, because I did, one of those actresses ended up in Miami uh, months later and then cast in the national tour of On Your Feet. Nice. Coño, no way. So, what do you say about that? Right, right. It's, it, you don't, it's like you don't know what's possible. Yeah, you, you don't want to underestimate them, right? Like you, exactly. Yeah, because it, it's a disservice, and it's almost insulting if you would have, right? Like That's exactly. Yeah, it, it, no, that makes total total sense. One, I just want to take a little side a little side track here for a second, and you know, as I mentioned, you you were previously um, in in productions of Rent playing the role of Angel, and again, as a huge fan of the production, I just wanted to take a moment to. Thank you um, as the as the proxy for all who have played Angel and 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 for Jonathan Larson's you know creation of Angel. Um, it is the single most I think beautiful character I've ever seen in a musical. I spoiler alert, guys. Although the show's been around for twenty five years, so if it's a spoiler to you, too bad. When Angel dies, I cry at every production. I cry every time I see the movie. I cry. It is just a testament to to what that role is. And I'll never forget the first time I saw the production was actually 
in London's West End. And the ha- it was one of the happiest moments of my life when Angel just kind of comes back on stage at the end because it was just like, oh, yay, he's back. You know, the heart is back in, in the group. And and so I just wanted to, to thank you for that. You know, again, sidebar. But I had to do it. Um, and thank you. Now, did you see me in, 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 in London do it? I don't recall. I honestly don't recall. I would have seen that production in about 2001, 2002. So I don't know if that was you or not. But um, not I- in 2001, but in 2000. Not in, I, we, we closed the original company uh, there in, in 1999, October of 1999. Ah, damn. So you really saw a different production. But yes, um, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful role. Yeah. It's such a beautiful role. See, I was already just going to hacerme la ilusión that it was you and, you know, just pretend ah. for the rest of my life <laughs> that I saw you perform. Especially because um, contact, that's a hell of a number. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think that having been part of the production, you know, and, and inhabiting such a, a major role brings to your experience as a director for the show? Not only working with Michael Greif, you know, directly uh, playing my role and, and you know, him, him having created the show with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting like, I'm getting, you know, the direction right from the source. Um, but also, you know, not only my role, but... I would sit in all the note sessions in all the different companies. So I, I learned the show and, and I heard everybody's notes. Mm-hmm. I did the show with endless, countless amounts of people. And then becoming uh, Michael Greif's associate director when we did the revival, I know the show from the source. Uh, I've lived the show for many, many, many years. And gone through a lot of my life and understood uh, my whole twenties in doing the show. So I feel like that was another uh, plus in me going to Cuba. I was like, if I don't go, someone else is going to. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I, I have to be the one that brings that, that, you know, that part of it right from the source to them. No, and there's also, I think something to be said for, you know, being Cuban American there, there's a cultural connection that, you know, other people may not have understood, even, you know, watching you just uh, go through the lyrics and translate, you know, yes, it was already translated into Spanish, but there's Spanish and there's Cuban, um, <laughs> you know, sure. and, and so, so just those little nuances. Did you find you, you, you were born here in Miami, correct? I mean, you grew up in Miami, but you're, you're I grew up in, born and raised, born and raised yeah. Miami boy. Did you find, you know, when you got there that there was, even as Cuban American as you know being raised in the cradle of Cuban Americanism that is Miami, that you found there was certain culture shocks. Absolutely, I mean major culture shocks as far as like just understanding the, uh, the Cuban daily life there. Like we have an idea of what it is, uh, but like this, I'm talking about specifics, right? Like even something as like simple like I, you know, I, you know, I was eating lunch and I got a stain on my shirt. I was like. I know, tengo que ir a la tienda para, para, para comprar un poco de detergente. And she was like, detergente? <laughs> it's like, there's no detergente here. Or like, no, even, you didn't even mention a Tide pen. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And I spent a whole one whole day looking for eggs and olive oil on my day off. Um, and those are like, you know, that's, that's these are luxury problems there. So to be able to... Uh, like really firsthand understand uh, to my capacity, right? Because mm-hmm. I'll never fully understand. Um, 
I'm still understanding from a very privileged place. Right. Be able to be with them and have conversations with all those, you know, what was it? It was a company of 30 artists. Mm-hmm. I, and, and to like study over a year with them, you know, from start to finish, yeah. is, is you walk away from that experience and being in the country and see like, you know, nothing hidden. You walk away different. And when I say I'm Cuban American now, I, I it's I say that differently. Hmm. And I behave in conversations differently in a way that I would I, I had no idea. For me it was like I do I see Guayaveras just like my dad and my little party in the enemy. No. Right. No. Yeah, it's we no. still have that that nineteen fifty nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, the Cuba. And it is not that. No, the Cuba we know it doesn't exist anymore. It's 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 as if someone but the yeah, the America we know doesn't exist anymore from the 1950s. It's like, no tiene nada que ver. Nada que ver. It's almost like if somebody was to come to the U.S. having only seen I Love Lucy and and, exactly. and expect that to be what they find. That's exactly right. And and I think that's part of the ideology that, that, that we have to look at. Mm-hmm. We have to look at. Um, and, 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 contempt, and, 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 uh, update. Yeah. Now, speaking of, of things we have to update, I know that Cuba has been making, you know, in two degree baby steps, um, strides in terms of, you know, gay, gay acceptance recognition, you know, the, the, it's, mm-hmm. it's not as quote unquote taboo as it may have been. I'm not saying they're, you know, they're full on, let's have pride parades. Um, but you know, it, it's not the, at the same degree, but one yep. of the things I found most interesting was, and I, and I apologize, I forget her name. Um, one of the actresses who was playing, I believe it was Maureen, you know, at the beginning of the documentary, she was very skittish about, no, 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 don't have her touch me. No, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable with oh, that. Joanne. Joanne. Joanne, apologies, Joanne. And and what yeah, I found, okay. number one, I, my first thought was like, okay, but girl, did you not read the character description? Because these aren't women who are coming into their sexuality. These are like out and proud, like big, like lesbians. Um, yeah. Did you find that was a challenge in and of itself? Because I kept seeing... You know, in the in the way that it seemed to me that they were talking about it on the island was, you know, oh, it's a musical about gays and AIDS, you know, and, and yeah. it just, just kind of seemed like they kept hitting that beat over and over again, which one could argue, yes, is part of the story. But I would argue it's more about the overall, like, you know, the, the bohemian aesthetic, the bohemian ideology, shall we say. Um, what challenges did you find from that angle or did or did you not find as many as you thought you would? You know what? I, I I thought there was going to be many, but the you know I, I'll go back to the whole thing of like the theater that's done there. Mm-hmm. It goes way further than rent does, and from my my from my experience there, we were going to like the gay bars, cafe cantante. Like that was like, have you have you been to Cuba? I have not. It's on my it's on my to do list. I definitely want to do it yeah. in the next couple of years, but I haven't been. It was there, there's like there's a full out you know like there's this like uh, great nightclub called Las Vegas where it's like a big all, all these drag queens and it's, Ooh, it's it's I love a Cuban drag queen. <laughs> it's very rich and and uh, yes there is definitely um, there's definitely is repression but hey there's repression in Miami as well. Oh, where's yeah. the gay bar? In, where's the gay bar in Miami? <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk about that later because I, 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 they're still like too open, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know, but like so, and and many parts of the world. However, yes, um, the show, 
the show was very well received. It was very, 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 very well received, and and nothing in the script needed was was changed. Okay, and and um, the message, uh, the, uh, you know, Jonathan's messages were like were, were in the press there, and uh, I was very, very happy to to be able to do the show uh, as it is. Yeah, and to date, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that yours is the only production that has ever opened on the 24th of December as Jonathan Larson had wanted. Yes, as far as as far as I'm as far as I know, yes. Yeah. Um, as far as I, on, like, yeah. maybe official productions, shall we say? From, uh, definitely from an official place, yes, for sure. That's awesome. And again, you yeah. know, as I, I got to say, there's a bit of pride of that. Number one, because you were able to achieve it, and because you are a Cuban American mammy boy, and of course you open on Nochebuena. Why not? Like, <laughs> well, you know, that's the other thing. Like, I also what I loved was that Nochebuena wasn't something that they were celebrating anymore in Havana, in Cuba. Really? So I love. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, to anyone who's listening, look it up. It's like it's it's something that with the revolution they stopped celebrating, oh, and so, and so, um, I was thrilled to throw the celebration of the show and the opening on Nochebuena, and it's such a celebration of Christmas. Uh, the show is so, yeah. Look at that. Little changes. Look at that. Andy, Andy Senor Jr. bringing rent and Noche Buena to Cuba. I mean, you are like the musical Santa Claus, bro. Like, like I can't even with you right now. In the angel outfits wearing the Santa Claus, so it's perfect. <laughs> well, who doesn't love patent leather boots? I'm just saying. Yeah. And, 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 I'm, sure, and I'm sure you wore your share as angel, so you're very comfortable in them. Uh, I sure did. <laughs> all right, Andy, so um, thank you again you know, for taking the time. I know you're like ridiculously busy. I mean, just the last couple of weeks alone with, with you know, again, the premiere of Revolution Rent. It's on HBO Max, right? It's currently streaming on HBO Max. Um, I know that locking you locking you down has been has been like let's do it this day. Oh, I'm on a plane. Oh, that day. And you know what though? I love I love hearing that. I, I gotta say, just from a completely you know selfless place, I love hearing when people, especially again you know local boys, right? Local girls, local local people are having so much success, and it just you know you're you're doing all of us proud by extension. And thank you for that, man. Absolutely, and it, no, it really was important for me to make sure that that we had uh, we had uh, this uh, this time together, particularly because like I, you know, this audience is me. Like it's this is like this is from, this is directly at the source. This is home, um, and for me, that's that's always the like the most important. All right, man. Bueno, oh yeah, thank you again. Un abrazo for Miami, and you know what continued success and i hope that we have you on you know many more times over over the time that we're doing this show to talk about all your upcoming projects fantastic thank you for having me and we're back yep so you know for those of you who have not yet seen uh revolution rent it is on hbo max and you know one of the things that it, it does show is not just like oh we're putting on a show but it actually goes into the homes of the actors and again, mm -hmm. it shows the reality of what it is to live in Cuba. You know, the, the the conditions of a home. There's one person there who's like, oh, look, here's my room that we've been building for the last, you know, seven years. And it's like, you know, a shoebox with a un palo en el medio, you know? Right. Um, and, and again, that's in La Habana. Imagine what it is once mm -hmm. you leave the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why, like, this week, you know, 
um, and I, I did. I, I shared some screenshots mm-hmm. with you. Like this whole narrative that somebody was like, "Oh yeah," because um, I forgot what it was that I tweeted, but I I wasn't the only person who got this answer. A lot of people did. It's like, "Oh yeah, you're you're white uh, colonizing." Oh, we were all plantation um, owners. Were you aware of that? Ancestors that were plantation owners. I'm like, first of all, <laughs> my family on both sides are from. Freaking Caloroja, Cuba. Population 2000. Caloroja, Cuba didn't even have a polyclinic. Okay, first of all. Secondly, my, they didn't even have a polyclinic. They had one park, and that was it. Secondly, secondly, uh, secondly, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this person is more likely to have had a plantation than your family in Caloroja. Yes. Like, secondly, my, I have relatives that were raised in orphanages because of how poor they were. Because they were just so poor and they were like on the brink of starvation that they lived in an orphanage. My parents lived in one of the that had a dirt floor. But you, so, no, but you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking but, about. But like, but like you know so much so that's why i'm like you know we may be fair skin but like my no but it's true like my family and when i mean my family i don't mean just my parents right. i mean our extended family we were all like very poor because you know sometimes people are like oh in cuba my parents had money and i'm like not my family my family in cuba my family in cuba was like Dirt poor. The epitome of dirt like poor. almost white. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, no. That's why, like, my mom, like, I, I think maybe I have mentioned this to you in front of my mom. I don't know if you've ever seen my mom talk about this. My mom says that since she was a little girl, like a little little girl, this, so this would have been pre-revolution. She dreamed of going to of coming to the United States because they were so poor. Like her family was so poor that like. They had no opportunity in Cuba. This was before the revolution, right. you know. Um, yeah, she was like, you know, seventies. So clearly, the revolution been for sixty years. So yeah. yeah, she she was like, you know, well, I I knew that if I, you know, again, this was pre-revolution. She always thought, oh, if I stay here, this is the life I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And my dad's family, Damien, like they were like Damien poor so it's like i know there were rich people in cuba but that wasn't my family the borges were not those people <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because my at work my um my assistant her and i are always laughing that when you always you know talk to a cuban or guatemalan you know cuban american they're like oh i was from Havana from Vidal, and it's like <laughs> My assistant and I always joke that they must have a lot of skyscrapers in in that area of Cuba because everybody's from there. Pero see, that's one of the jokes. Whenever somebody says, oh, de la Habana, de cuál piso? Right. I mean, because, there's... I mean, you know Havana is a big city, but it's like... But it's geez, so big. Did it hold like 90% of the population? <laughs> and then me, I'm like, no, my parents are from Caloroa. In La Provincia de Matanza, you can't find it on the map. And when you find it on Google search, you have to zoom, 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 zoom. Oh my God. When I find, when I look up where my parents are from, Calorona, 
I have to find, I forgot what city it is, and then literally go down the street, like go down like the one street until I find this like little pinch of like something. I'm like, oh, that's my parents' town. <laughs> I think you probably have an easier time finding meeples from from perfect strangers then. Perfect strangers. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about you, but my parents, my family wasn't no I mean my well my, my my dad's family was squirrely middle class. My mom's family was okay, but I mean they were from Pina de Rio, de Misa. So I mean they were, you know, they were they were farm folk. Yeah. Yeah. You know what they say about the hands of Pina de Rio. <laughs> yes I do. <laughs> I'm not sure. I just know that people say that. There's all reason I ended up on the real. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is that they say. It was just, it's, a, it's an ellipsis. You don't have to act. Yeah, it's like, it's like el, el, el cuento de la uh-huh. so. uh, Well, I know that you are, you're in the Big Apple. You know, you're probably, oh, there's a little bug behind you. <laughs> yeah. The New York, a New York, a New Yorker bug. I hope it's not a bed bug. No. Oh, no. But it's. I'm sure you've worked up a thirst, you know, caminando por todo el yes. Manhattan. So yes, I have, I, have, soda. I have a flat Coke, a flat oh, soda flat to soda? do this week. Okay. A flat soda, no gas. No gas. My flat soda goes to Jeff Bezos. Damn it! I was gonna do. So he's getting two flat sodas because that's where I was going. So. Oh, so he gets a double. He flat gets a soda? double flat soda. I don't think we've had a double flat soda in 166 no. episodes. What a uh, dubious distinction. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Few reasons. First off, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Did Jeff Bezos say anything about Cuba? He did not. I checked every single day. He was super occupied with his space circle jerk. Okay, I think that obviously him having the last name Bezos and being adopted by a Cuban, I didn't expect him to go all you know posting on his own social media about Cuba all day. But it would have been nice if he could have just a had a little. Maybe just that, that, yeah. that. Yeah. as the one of the as the richest and one of the most powerful men in the world, I think that that could have gone a long, long way. Just saying, yes, yes, but that's not even the reason why I'm doing a flat soda. So, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. No, it, no, was, it was last week, week. It was last week. when uh, Richard Branson went to space. And I said that it was a big dick club, you know, like to see who wants a bigger one between him and right. Jeff Bezos. So, yeah. And now this week is Jeff Bezos because you know what? Oh, with all the problems going on with Amazon. He actually created a rocket that looked like a giant dildo. Oh my gosh. Do you see that? I thought, I was like, oh my God, this, this is like that scene in Austin Powers. Yes. At the end. Oh, yes. Have the rocket. <laughs> yeah, like a penis. I'm like, what's this on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> and I know aer- aerodynamics have a have a, a a play in there, but no other rocket has looked like a penis. Yeah, no. no. But anyway, you know, again, I am I am I am I am for space exploration Absolutely. in terms of scientific for scientific purposes. You know, whether it's the Mars rover or the research that NASA did. Other countless other things that are done for research and for space exploration, I'm totally 100% for it. But this whole bullshit of like flying into space so the rich now can go and, 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 you know, again, you know, do that while your company is having all the problems. 
problems that it's having, you know, whether it's that, you know, the whole thing with like the restrooms and, you know, being underpaid and all the, 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 the many things that Amazon has been under scrutiny under its employees. I just think that from a PR perspective, it was a really important timing. (laughs) It's really poor timing. And let's not forget that COVID is still an issue. You know, around the world, it's still an issue. There's still huge surges. There's still a lot of people dying now with this Delta variant. And this is when you are going to space to show that you are Jeff Bezos and you you go to space. You I have money, and you know Richard Branson beat me by a week, but now I'm gonna go. Like I, I just again, you're free to do whatever you want, and if this is the way he, this is what he wants to do, but I just think that being the person that he is and having the money, power, and influence that he does, I think that he could have just either waited to do this at a later time, or just done something else that would have been a lot more worthwhile because again like i i really read upon these um space flights because i'm like okay but are they trying to discover something are they trying Wait, to what's like what's the purpose what's the like what's the purpose no 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 it's just so filthy rich people can go and say they went to space for like half a second Again, it doesn't surprise me, as I said last week, I'm like, this is what rich people do, you know, and they have money and that you and I will never have, and this is what they're going to do. But, you know, like I said, I think, it, and, you know, Bill Gates has all of his multitude of problems as well, but I think he's a good example of someone who, you know, has wealth, enjoys his wealth, because I can't, you know, it, it's not like, you know, Bill Gates is living in, you know, a, a, a tutu in Kendall, but, you right. know he has also set up foundations he's also done, you know there's a bit of philanthropy there that i i mean i mean i mean look i don't i don't subscribe to that whole eat the rich mantra i mean i think that if you're filthy rich especially if you're self-made you know what spoil yourself right. you know enjoy do whatever it. you want you know enjoy it enjoy it to the fullest but especially somebody like jeff bezos that has the amount of money that he has you know that it's like obscene it's like coño you know you could have used that money and i know people are always like oh you could have used it to build schools or oh you could have, i mean that argument is always going to exist but i mean seriously you really could have done something so just even for your own employees something so much more meaningful than just okay i'm going to space and you know whatever because i can and, and i'm gonna put my watch outside of my suit you know and if you didn't want to you know let any money out of your pocket again to point number one you could have had somebody post a goddamn cuban flag with sos cuba and at least look like you gave a flying fuck about you know a culture that you i mean it's not like he goes around saying he's cuban american but i mean he does you know he he does embrace it i mean his his father is you know cuban american and it's not something they shy away from like you know the scourge of the planet ted cruz so his father is pedro pan his father is pedro pan Okay, if his father is Pedro Pan, I know you said he was adopted by him, but so obviously he was adopted by him because he grew up with him. If he grew up with him, then there's gotta be a Cuban culture, Cuban culture, and and Cubanity, to quote Martha Martha Darby from my main type Cuban blog, is something that is very, very, very much has to be a part of him or was at some point because, as we know, you don't grow up with a Cuban parent and just you know. Well, you know, unless you're Ted Cruz. No. No. Yeah, but you know what? You, Canada can keep him. 
I mean, I really like Canada. I love Canada, but you know, I'm sorry, Canada. He was born there. You can see your problem, babe. He's your problem. Like, I, I don't want him on my <laughs> on my team. That's all you, babe. That's all you. That's kind of like you know when you were a kid in you know, elementary school and you had to pick teams, and okay. there will always be that poor last kid. Oh. So many times it was me. <laughs> and I did, yeah, Ted Cruz, I've been so much longer. <laughs> oh, Lord. But oh, well, on that note. Oh, we can't leave it on Ted Cruz. That's true. That's true. We can't. You know what? Brittany got to choose her own lawyer. Yes. So yes. We'll, we'll, we'll leave but, it on that. <laughs> but, but Brittany had a good week for choosing her lawyer, but Jamie, Jamie Lynn did not. I know. Poor Jamie Lynn. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, poor Jamie Lynn, no. No, I don't feel bad for Jamie Lynn. Jamie Lynn is Jamie Lynn because of her sister. No, no, fair enough. But I mean, like, you know, what, what power well, does well, Jamie Lynn we're have? She in, uh, we're showing what she and Zoe with Zoe, the chance. Zoe 101. Wait, what's Zoe with the chance? Sunny with the chance was Demi Lovato. Oh, that's Demi. That's Demi Lovato. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, Zoe with the chance. I'm like, sounds like They couldn't have even crossed over because one was Nickelodeon and one was Disney. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She she did whatever whatever opportunities Jamie Lynn's is because of Britney. So you know, I don't feel bad for her. No, no, no. But, you know, so whatever. And I think that she could have been. I know she said recently, "Oh, you know, she was trying to be quiet." No, no. If your sister is really going through that conservatorship, and I understand that she's probably between a rock and a hard place because it, that is her father as well. Right? But I think that she could have supported her sister without necessarily talking trash about her father. But that's a conversation for another day. We'll, we'll, we'll do that next week when, you know, because we need to maybe shift a little bit away from an hour of Cuba. <laughs> yes. And nothing, nothing. If we're not going to talk about freedom of Cuba, we're going to talk about the freedom of Britney Spears. <laughs> As we made very clear on Instagram this week. Oh, yeah. One final thing. Yeah. One final thing. Because I've noticed this. Como la gente in ese lobby. Like, de pronto, there's just so much well, voices. It's the New Yorker. Is it drowning me out? No, no, it's not drowning Listeners, you out. Listeners, am I being drowned out? It's not drowning you out, but it's just like, the, like you know, for the most part, it was like, but, okay, and now all of a sudden. Does it sound... Does it sound... Or what is a better question for our listeners? Does it sound like a, an episode of the Antique Roadshow? <laughs> Wait, what was I saying? I don't even know. Oh, oh, I know what it was. Okay. So, last thing we'll talk about before we go: what is this whole now hate towards racing some big out of you? Like, when did this become like a thing again? You know, I think it's just we like to have a healthy debate, and after last election, this was a safer bet. So there's not going to be no insurrection in of like Serrano's of Picardia, of Picardia. I, I mean, I didn't grow up with raisins of Picardia. Picardia is kind of gross, but um, we cut all this. So. But I, I just, I find this all over the place now about no raisins and picadillo. I'm like, what do raisins ever do to you? Although I have to say, I'm not a fan of raisins and picadillo, but Bren Herrera commented on it, saying that she's been trying it now with figs. And you know what? Uh -huh. I'm open to that. 
<coughs> I actually think that figs would be good because like yeah. picadillo is done like kind of salty with like or savory with like the sweetness of the fig. It could go well. Yeah, but you can't put los sazones cubano. <laughs> but then it's not picadillo. <laughs> Ay, pero sofrito y la pasta esa de... de tomate, you know what? I'm, no. sure, I'm sure Bren makes it great. Yeah, yeah. So, well, everybody. Uh, again, live from New York and from North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> that was episode 166. And as we said, we are committed to giving you a new episode. Uh, every week. Uh, every week. You know, it doesn't matter how close or how far we are. Nope. We're not going to do any space travel, so that's not going to be <laughs> an option um, as to recording. Option, but um, we hope everybody listened, laughed, and learned. As always, remember to grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your cafecito. And thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye. Pero Let Me Tell You is co-hosted by Darian Borges and Ismaeliano, produced by Ismaeliano, and our theme, Pero Let Me Tell You Freestyle, is composed by Michael Angelo Lomlaplex, the official gay guy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.